On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, we'll talk about overcoming leadership challenges in industrial hygiene and occupational environmental health and safety. Way back when I started my career, I said, I'm gonna be president of AIHA someday. And it was, it was kind of funny because I really moved away from that um, for a while and then came back into volunteering for AIHA. At some point decided that I would like to um, serve in a leadership role for AIHA. And I was elected uh, treasurer-elect and went through that three-year term of service as treasurer-elect and treasurer, and then was elected as vice president. Is, is it worth the time to in, invest your your available free time? I, not that you have a lot, probably, but in, into a, you know <laughs> pursuing a position on you know a leadership position on an organization like AIHA. Is that something that you would encourage others to do? Welcome to the Healthier Workplaces Show a program dedicated to highlighting the efforts of industry professionals who protect our workers and their communities from occupational and environmental hazards. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine, and your host for this new program from AIHA. This week's guests are Dina Siegel and Nicole Greeson. Both are certified industrial hygienists. Dina serves as an industrial hygiene and safety professional at Los Alamos National Laboratory and is AIHA's president-elect. Nicole is AIHA's vice president and serves as the associate director for Duke University's Occupational and Environmental Safety Office. When we come back, we'll sit down with Dina Siegel and Nicole Greeson to discuss some of the leadership challenges in each of their careers. Stay with us. Sixth edition of the Noise Manual is available at the AIHA University Bookstore. This edition contains new chapters on impulse noise, ototoxicants, fit testing, and community exposure. Noise is an omnipresent hazard for industrial hygienists and OEHS practitioners. Find the right information with this valuable resource for noise prevention and more in your workplace and communities. Update your noise knowledge today. Available in print and digital formats. Visit AIHA.org slash noise for a free preview. Both of you have gotten into leadership roles in the AIHA organization. Um, how, how did that how did you get there? Like, was it, was that a, a pre-planned exodus? You're, you're, you're going to, you know, I'm going to be in leadership. I'm going to go up through the ranks. Or is it just something that just organically happened for each of you? And I'll, I'll reach out to Nicole in this first. I would say it wasn't necessarily pre-planned. Uh, I had previously been on the uh, American Board of Industrial Hygiene on that board of directors. And I had served as chair uh, while I was on that board. And uh, at that point, I worked closely with the leadership of the AIHA board and um, staff and that of ACGIH as well. So I had some exposure to folks who were in uh, the positions that I have been held AIHA. So at some point decided that I would like to 
um, serve in a leadership role for AIHA. And I was elected uh, treasurer-elect and went through that three-year term of service as treasurer-elect and treasurer, and then was elected as vice president. So this is a four-year term, same as uh, Dina's one year ahead of me in it. So. So Dina, I'll pose the same question to you. Um, you know, how how did you how did you come to be where you are as president elect of AIHA? Well, same as same as Nicole in a lot of ways. I uh, actually way back when I started my career, I said I'm going to be president of AIHA someday, and it was it was kind of funny because I really moved away from that um, for a while, and then came back into volunteering for AIHA in many ways and was nominated to get on the board um, about 10 years ago um, by an an individual that was president of AIHA. So I said, oh, yeah, I can do this. So I started out um, with being a director, director at large. uh, And then I, after those uh, three years were done, I became secretary of the AIHA board. And after that, moved quite um, happily into the the president um, approach, which is a four year. So it, it's really funny that I thought of myself in my 20s as being AIHA president someday. And I actually made it. So it's it's pretty cool. So, I mean, I think that is really, um, you know, it, it's it's noteworthy that both of you, you know, uh, spend that much time doing volunteer work. Because, I mean, it's a volunteer position. You're not paid. And I, I'm sure that the commitment is uh, quite a bit. <laughs> Just know, knowing all the stuff going on at AIHA, I, ca- I can't imagine that you're not real busy with this in addition to your, both of your careers. So, I mean... The topic of today's program is uh, overcoming leadership challenges, and I'm assuming that both of you have not had, you know, a perfectly smooth sail to where you are. You know, I mean, life isn't that easy. And certainly coming up, you know, in the ranks of a national slash international organization, not not an easy, not an easy path. Um, So I guess let's let's talk about some of the things that you may have faced. Nicole, is is there anything that's noteworthy that jumps out at you as far as, uh, you know, one of the big challenges? Well, I would say you're right. It it is a big time commitment. And I think it would be incredibly difficult to do it if I didn't have my employer's support, because sometimes things like this happen that go on in the middle of the day when I'm normally working and I have to, you know, block the time on my calendar for it. And certainly lots of things board meetings on weekends, travel, et cetera. So it's helpful to have an employer that's supportive of this time investment, but I think that they see the value in the leadership skills. It helps me to develop better since I am also a leader at my day job, if you will. So I think that um, having that support has been helpful, but if if I had not had it, it would have been a huge barrier to, to being in this position. Yeah, it does. It does seem like you have to have the support of your employer when you're doing this because you you are taking you know hours out of your your weekly work week. You know, so they they have to be on board with that. So, uh, Dina, some of the things that you maybe have encountered coming up through doing this. Uh, so definitely having employer support is is critical to this, and I have been very fortunate to have my management understand and support uh, my my time that I take with AIHA. And, and I think the other thing that I would say is really important 
is once you start to be in a board level position or even as a volunteer, you have to learn first to listen and learn and then understand the passion it takes to, to advancing um, just even if it's a small thing within AIHA, advancing that idea, uh, getting that information out to our members. And for me, just as I started out, when I was a director, um, I, I, I just really had to learn and listen. How, how do boards work? Uh, what do we need to do for our membership? How do I lead? How do I not micromanage? How do I encourage and evoke passion in other people. For, for me, that was um, really a, a real eye-opener for me because it's, it's about leading people. It's about having people understand and get excited about something that you're working with them on. It, it's totally different from from managing uh, in, in the classic sense of the word. You, you really are trying to get people to love it, go along with you, insert their passion, insert their ideas on how we can make AIHA even better than it is. So you'd mentioned, uh, Dina, that you've been on the board for 10 years, approximately 10 years? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, to kind of three years as a three years as a director, three years as secretary, and now I'm um, in the middle of year two of the four year president. So that's three, six. So it's eight. It'll be ten um, when I'm done. So Nicole, uh, how many years has your path been here? This is my fourth because I did three as the treasurer elect and treasurer cycle. And then this is my first year of the four year president cycle. So four. So uh, traditionally science professions, you know, health and safety, a lot of these areas have been very male dominated. You know, and I mean, they're, you know, I'm not saying that's changed and it's changing a lot. You know, you're starting to see a, a lot more diversity in, in in these career fields. But, you know, going back 10 years or 10 plus years, not necessarily the case. Right. So did that, you know, being women in, in this career path, was that challenging? Was it beneficial um, or was it just a neutral thing for you? Just. <laughs> yeah, nobody I, wants to jump on that. I'll, I'll jump in because I'll tell you, I. I've been around a little longer than Nicole. <laughs> I know that, but but I can tell you when I started out in this profession, um, I was the first for uh, many of the 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 positions that I did hold. Uh, so first CIH for a consulting company, um, first industrial hygienist when I worked for the Department of Army, and I did notice, I did notice that it was um, a little bit of a um, novelty for some folks, but, but I can tell you by the time I got to the board and in my last 10 or 20 years of my career, uh, it is, it is not unusual at all. And I will look at myself or Nicole or anybody else who's a professional. And I see a, I see a professional first. Um, and then maybe I'll see, um, gender second. So that's the way I, I always look at it. And I'm just really pleased that it's not a novelty anymore. Yeah, I'll add, I think there's certainly been a number of women leaders at AIHA. 
I actually asked the staff recently what percent of the membership identifies as female and it's about 30% and that's about the same as it was, I think 20 or 30 years ago. So in some respects, I think you don't see that many more women entering this profession than when I started or even before I started, but we certainly have seen an increase, at least during my career of the number of women in leadership positions. And I think that hopefully will help to show other women that this is a viable career field for them. If they see their leaders looking like them, then maybe they will be more likely to come into this career field and realize it's one that they can thrive in. So, and, and you have two different paths. Uh, you know, Dina, you, you've been in the public sector uh, dealing with, with government entities and Nicole, your private sector, you know, university, uh, academia. Um, two totally different uh, career paths, you know, two, two totally different uh, sectors. But um, why don't we get into some of the uh, specific challenges that, you know, that may have you know, come up over the course of your careers. And I'll, I'll throw this at Dina first. Um, just, you know, again, is there stuff that may be uh, specific to dealing with government entities? Perhaps? So um, we do have a lot of what some people have called administrivia. And I'm sure Nicole has some of that at the university level. But, but for me, one of the challenges has been knowing the difference between leading and managing, and then um, taking my experience um, into account, but allowing other peers, allow people that you are working with to, to make those decisions and pursue their own successes on their own approach. It, it just makes so much sense to, to show somebody a vision um, see if they want to refine it, see if they want to expand it. It's all, for me, it's about encouragement. It's motivating. Um, it's having passion. It's having empathy. Um, and, and having people want to follow your lead rather than having to follow your lead um, because of a, um, an organization structure. So that's always been the way I've been. And I've been in management. I've been in senior management. Um, and I have been um, an individual contributor. And both of those things, especially in the public sector, um, understanding that not only do we have our management to report to, um, but understanding that there's a government entity as well that we report to as our customer. So it's, um, it, it's pretty Good. I will say that since I've worked for Department of Energy and Department of Army, um, it is uh, a blessing and and a, a treat to work with people that still, even though they are federal employees, um, understand and work together to make our workers as safe and healthy as they can be. That's really cool. We have a lot of our customers um, in DOE that are active in AIHA as well as us. So it, you know, it can be a little bit of a monstrous administrative burden sometimes with some of the things we have, but in the end, we're all the same in terms of wanting to have um, health and safety for our workers. So Nicole, is it different, uh, is it a different uh, atmosphere working, you know, working at a university? In some ways, yes, but it's a 
large employer. So we have about 47,000 employees at Duke University, including the health system. And I think like Dina was saying, any large employer, whether it's public sector or private sector is going to have some um, administrative or bureaucratic things that maybe wouldn't exist at smaller employers. Uh, there's some differences in a university because of course there's academic freedom. So a lot of principal investigators run their own research labs and have a lot of freedom to do different things. But one of the core values at Duke is safety. And so it really does come from the top down regardless of how, um, whether it's on the university side or the health system side and whether it is somebody who is a research assistant or a nurse or a doctor or a principal investigator, all levels of the organization, safety is considered a value It's one of our five. So I think that that helps to make it um, in some ways easier to do my job because it's one of the things that people, that's considered in people's uh, performance evaluations mm -hmm. as to whether sure. they're doing sure. it so, or not. So, I mean, from a culture standpoint, your organization is very health and safety oriented. Dana expressed that same thing. So I, I would imagine that being in that environment is going to make it a lot easier to do your job effectively, as opposed to being in a situation where maybe there wasn't buy-in from the top on health and safety and you were kind of a, you know, on a side. I, I think yes. we both have that. And, and I would also say we, we are a national laboratory. So we are a laboratory um, with PIs, with researchers uh, and, and, Part of being a leader in my mind is working with your customers. They're my they're my customer from a health and safety standpoint, but it's it's not throwing some requirement over the fence to them. It's it's really working with them, using their expertise and coming up with a health and safety program that can be implemented that everybody agrees with and and understands. So so having um, those researchers at least on on my side of the fence right now. Um, working with me and understanding what needs to be done to keep us safe and healthy has been great. Uh, and then I'm not somebody just saying you must do this. It's it's a collaborative approach with the folks that work at Los Alamos National Laboratory. So I'm I'm really pleased that that's the way that it has come out. We'll be back after this. In today's shifting work environment, it can be tough to schedule in a half or full day professional development course, or PDC, not to mention the time needed to travel to and from the classroom. AIHA University is excited to offer new virtual options for some of our more popular courses that are essential to your growth as an OEHS professional. The benefits of a virtual PDC are many. Consider no travel is required. Learning can come directly to you at your home or office. Industry experts deliver live demonstrations via up-to-date video conference technology, a full audio and video experience. You'll experience the same group activities, practice exercises, and breakout sessions as you would in person. Miss something or want to review a particular point? Full access to the course recording is provided post-event. 
Virtual PDCs are eligible for three and a half to seven contact hours towards your certification maintenance. Your budget will thank you. No need to worry about travel or accommodation expenses. You only need the time and space to focus. AIHA's virtual PDCs are happening soon. Select your course today at bit.ly slash fallpdcs. We'll see you online soon. Okay, let me just switch things around here. Um, so it, both both of you obviously um, are, are in leadership roles in in your career uh, positions, you know, in your professional jobs. But certainly, um, you know, with your volunteer work with AIHA, um, you know, you're on the, you're both on the leadership path, you know, uh, to be, I, I guess, the next two presidents, right, of, of the organization. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly uh, that's a heck of a responsibility on your shoulders, right? But both of you are going to be feeling the weight of that fairly soon. Um, what recommendations would you give to other uh, young professionals coming up in the industry? You know, is is it worth the time to in, invest your your available free time? I, not that you have a lot, probably, but in, into a, you know <laughs> pursuing a position on you know a leadership position on an organization like AIHA. Is that something that you would encourage others to do as they come up through? Absolutely. I would encourage others to do it. I think you get out of it what you put into it. So I think it's beneficial. Yes, I want to give back to the profession and to the association and its members. But I also think that I get out of it a lot as well. I mean, it's fulfilling for me. I'm very passionate about this profession. And I do think that it helps me improve my leadership skills that are useful in my my day job as a, a leader and manager at Duke. So for me, the the possibility and the opportunity to work with all folks that are in industrial hygiene and safety is, is so important. And, and I would encourage people, and you don't have to start high. You can do really simple things like um, um, just little uh uh, opportunities to to contribute back to AIHA. You can be on a volunteer group. You can you can be on one of our task force. There's a lot of ways to to micro volunteer, and it it's really good because then we'll get a lot of different viewpoints on it. Um, yes, it is definitely giving back to the profession, but for me, it's all about continuing to improve the profession, allowing others to get involved, others to, to give their own leadership, uh, passions, ideals, and, and all of those things that kind of go into making AIHA the great organization that it is. It's, it's a well-run organization. I, I love being a part of it. I love having all the help and assistance that we have out there from everybody. So staff, um, volunteers, uh, et cetera. It's just, it's just a really cool thing to be a part of, especially now at this point. So, so with with both of you, um, so leadership, I'm assuming, has formed a, a pretty big part of your development as your your professional careers, right? Being being involved, volunteering in, in organizations like AIHA, um, th this has helped you develop as professionals in your in your paid job, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, and what's wonderful for me is, is having all these different opinions. So having private sector, public sector, um, looking at folks that um, do something totally different than me um, may have a different idea of how to implement, uh, say, a confined space program or a hearing conservation program. That difference of approach and maybe different experiences helps other people make their program even better. So being able to to benchmark with other folks, just seeing what's out there that might be different from your your approach is just so incredibly valuable. So I've done it within AIHA, I've done it within the DOE uh, and in other areas, but just really having that difference is so key to having a really good program yourself. I so agree, yeah. The, the networking opportunities are great. I've been an active member of AIT volunteer groups essentially my entire career. And it's so helpful even if you don't have an interest in being a leader of a volunteer group, even just being an active member is really helpful for professional development because let's say you want to learn more about respiratory protection and you join that volunteer group, Respiratory Protection Committee. You can learn so much about that topic area by being a member of the group and getting involved in helping with a particular project of interest. You meet other people who may be more experienced than yourself in that area and you can learn so much from them and then you have somebody you can contact if you have specific questions and like Dina said help your employer's program improve by the things that you get um, the information that you're able to glean from the volunteer group efforts. Right. Well, and I mentioned earlier too I, I assume that it's not always smooth sailing when, you, when you're in these leadership roles both in both in your uh, professional uh, workplace as well as you know with an organization like AIHA um, so how I'd love to hear both of your formulas for how you de how you deal with situations that maybe are somewhat stressful or some challenges you know in, in these leadership roles and you know how how do you uh, collaboratively you know bring a solution and, and move the move the ball forward What's the jump so, on that one? <laughs> certainly nothing is, is always smooth sailing. And I think if there's a decision that is made that is unpopular with, it could even be just a, a small percentage of the membership, the, the board is going to hear about it. And I think the, the key is open communications. We always want to be honest and transparent with everyone on how we came to a decision, uh, to the decision that we did. So what was the data that was presented to us, how we came to that decision. And we're always trying to think of what's in the best interest of the organization and its members. And then if, if explaining how we came to that is not sufficient. I think having open communication with those people or the, the groups, if it's particular volunteer groups, to ensure we find common ground and figure out what is it that we did not meet of their, their needs or wants, and what could we potentially do to improve the situation so that we could have a win-win where everybody, I mean, you can't make everybody happy 100% sure. of the time, but what can we do in order to make sure that they know that their concerns were heard and were considered in the process. 
and Dina, you're going to be in the hot seat pretty soon, you know, in the president's role. So, yeah. You know. So, so I, the way I handle this is I know there's going to be different perspectives. I expect, especially if something is controversial and we know it is that there's going to be conflict and, and I, I'm ready to manage that conflict. And it's a lot of what Nicole just said, but it's also being very open, very honest and remembering to practice that active listening. So, so I, I think I'm better at that than I was before, but you really have to hear and listen and, and practice um, that active listening even when the news isn't good or you're dealing with, with a personal issue um, that might um, really become um, a very serious issue for, for an individual and for myself. So uh, it's really being prepared to handle those perspectives, um, being prepared to handle and manage conflict and open and honest at all times and active listening at all times. I really think that's really important for us to continue to do this. And nobody likes conflict. I, I really don't know anybody who does. But if you know that you're going to manage it and you're going to listen and you'll get to a point where everybody at least agrees on a path forward, I think that's success. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Pass it. Okay. I would say for people who are considering leadership positions that they absolutely should go for it. And they could certainly start with something uh, smaller, like in their local section or in a volunteer group, um, perhaps becoming secretary and going through the typically four-year process of um, secretary, vice chair, chair, and past chair. Or if you don't even want to commit to that much time, there's often other, there's other roles. Like we have the research and development officer position in volunteer groups that doesn't really have a set minimum amount of time that you have to serve in. So people can get their feet wet in lots of different ways. And I would encourage people find an area in which you really are interested and passionate and look for ways to take on additional um, leadership responsibilities in that and then build from there. Excellent. All right, Dina. Sure. So you can lead in a lot of ways and, and it doesn't necessarily have to have a title associated with it, but think about practicing leading skills in just a, a, a task group that you might be with at your, your, your company, or you're working um, on a volunteer project with other AIHA members. Think about allowing people to make decisions, showing them if you have a vision, um, tell them what that is, practice that active listening, do all the things that we talk about in terms of critical thinking or um, keeping that communication honest and open and, and use whatever life hands you as a potential opportunity to practice and hone your leadership skills uh, in in that way, because if you do that and you do get a title where you're actually a leader um, in title and in the way you approach things, it's the it's a great way to be successful. It's a, uh, and if those that that crave leadership, want leadership are most going to be successful when they listen 
they give back, they allow others to, to contribute, they allow others to help with the decision and the path forward. So um, think about being a leader is not so much telling people what's going to happen and what you're going to do, but how you as a team or you as a board or you as a volunteer group or even you as, as completing an action uh, can work together to come up with a path forward and a result that's really going to benefit everybody involved. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back in November with two new programs. Thanks again for watching. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.